0: And thanks to Cry Malt, local malt for local beer, this is Radio Brews News. My name's Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guide, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back.
1: G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back.
0: It is good to be back.
1: Uh, Always Always good to be back.
0: And have to part of the credit for bringing us back is Cry Malt, who you may have noticed has a come back on as a sponsor. After a hard-fought period of negotiation, we had to give a bit of ground prof. Uh, You know, we we had to sort of uh, put some advertising in not just their name, but uh, we're back, and uh, they're back, and uh, all is good in the world.
1: I'm I'm very happy. And I'm sure our listeners will be too, because it, uh, it, you know... uh, Their contribution uh, goes towards our dulcetivity levels and uh, all those sorts of things and keeping us regular. Um, And we've had a a really good relationship with them sort of uh, from very early on. And those who have met David Cryer and and those who have been fortunate enough to um, have a a beer with him at a bar at uh, one of many events around uh, either here or in New Zealand um, will know that uh, it's a, a great association for us. And very much appreciated. Yeah, very much appreciated.
0: And, you know, they they don't really need to uh, get everyone in the industry knows them. Um, And uh, this is just another example of them supporting the industry that uh, we all love. So anyway, Prof, uh, how's your week
1: been? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, pretty good. Went to uh, the launch of um, the Mornington Peninsula Brewery's new uh, Hop Culture Session IPA at 4.9%. Um, beautifully described by uh, our good friend James Smith over at the Crafty Pint as uh, a splash of now what do you call it tropical hop juice, which I thought was just terrific. Uh, yeah, a, a crackingly really nice beer, and uh, and at, as some breweries have done uh, in the recent past, where their non-core range they're going for quite a different sort of look. So uh, whilst the the Mornington the Drinkable Gold um, logo is uh is is part of the you know the um liechtenstein cartoon kind of uh, look that they've gone with um it's it's certainly not very prominent in fact it's it's right round on the back of the can and all that sort of thing so um good luck to that and a, a really 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 nice beer Oh, that's uh, sounds great.
0: Uh, I've well, let's see, I've tried a few beers, but I, and I'll also talk about them in a bit. But I had my trip down to Maitland, down to Newcastle, and then up the Hunter and into Maitland for to celebrate the Poorhouse in Maitland's uh, third birthday. Um, had a really really nice night there. Have you travelled through Maitland, Prof?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So the Poorhouse is a little pub. It's an old. Uh, Tooth pub. I post, pop some photos up on my Facebook page uh, that anyone that wants to, to see. But it's a beautiful old pub. It's got the old pub tiles inside still, and you know it's uh, been converted over. It's in a beautiful street of historic buildings, and uh, th- that seems to be ripe for urban renewal. But the little pub itself uh, has, you know, uh, I think ten taps of uh, you know uh, Australian beer goodness. So a little bit of I think there was some Bunch find left over from Oktoberfest, but uh, they're certainly uh, getting through it. A really nice Pub and a great night. So I caught up with um, Aaron Rigg, who's the owner, but also Lee Wilton from Ironbark Hill Brewery, which is a little uh, brewery associated with a winery down there. Uh, Keith Grice, who is a very well-known um, brewer. Um, and Hunter Beer Co. Hunter Beer Co. Uh, and also Matt Hogan, Matthew Hogan, who was a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago after the uh, his win at the Craft Beer Awards. Um, we yeah, had a yeah. couple Over of their beers. Yeah, Hope Estate. So, uh, and then the next night, I hosted an event out at Hope Estate, which is beautiful. It's a it's a huge brewery with a nice little a huge vineyard um, with a nice little brewery tucked in, and uh, certainly well worth the well worth the uh, visit. Yeah, actually, I will see. Uh, I, I did just happen to be cruising around some of the you know some of those Facebook um, Peanut Gallery discussion boards. Um, Last night, and there seemed to be a fair bit of shit canning of uh, the the Hope Estate beers. Uh, you know, the the normal. I expected so much more. I bought it, and it just wasn't up to what I expected. Um, which, you know, I, I I don't know what was driving that, but you know, I guess when you do win an award like that, you it, it does give you a great bump in terms of uh, PR. But then you get, you know, the Statlers and Waldorfs uh, complaining that the beer is not what they expected. So yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and, uh, yeah, even when it's wrong. But I, I do think sometimes we uh, th- there's a risk that we can let our expectation um, sort of get a little bit ahead of, of reality, and, and and perhaps because something's won an award, we assume that um, it's not going to be just the best of the best, but it's actually going to be somehow better.
0: Well, it, and sure. yeah, or perhaps the beers that win uh, awards you know, for consistency and quality, aren't necessarily the ones that are one-dimensional hot bombs or you know so sour that they uh, make your face pucker. Those yeah. characteristics are often there in a championed beer, but in you know balance and uh, you know all in moderation. Which I, Definitely. which in a similar discussion group, there was a comment posted. Um, you know, somebody had said, oh, look, I'm opening a six-tap uh, craft beer venue. Um, what would you like to see on, on, on my taps? And there was a whole lot of, oh, you know, give three taps to IPA and then a stout and then anything without a Belgian on it. And, you know, maybe one one Pilsner or a That's... Golden Ale for the beginners.
1: <laughs> hey. and I did I did notice your, your, your comment about... Uh... Assuming, don't be be careful of uh, assuming that perhaps somebody who enjoys a pilsner or a golden ale, or dare I say, a lager, um, has a an untrained or a uh, immature palate. Yeah, exactly. Like I do
0: love a big hoppy beer. It's it's not a style that excites me. It's not a style that I you know will sort of climb over my grandmother to get to. I do enjoy it on occasion for the experience. But in terms of the beers that I go to day in and day out, it does tend to be the, you know, really nicely made um, uh, Australian pale ales And last night, before I'd even read that, I was about to tweet a photo. We've had a big launch of the Hawker's beers up here. Um, And Hawker's is uh, out uh, around the place at the moment. And I grabbed a six pack of the Pilsner to to see how it travelled and, you know... And how how good is it? I was going to actually tweet a photo saying, you know, uh, more exciting than about anything else is the breweries who are bringing out craft lagers, or just lagers, this good. It was a beautiful beer. Um, and, yeah, like it. it, it uh, the, the thing that stopped me from tweeting that photo in the end or um, Instagramming that photo was I thought, well, to say that, you know, to, to go to the effort of doing that is almost hyping something that doesn't need hype. Um, and, yeah, it was just about an hour after that I saw that comment. I thought, well, you know, yeah. but it, it, okay. I, I yeah, go on. Oh, you know, to, to me, they are the beers. And, you know, any pub that doesn't have at least half of its taps, you know, under the IPA, you know, in, in spectrums under the IPA is really catering to a very, very limited
1: audience, um, you know. And and, and and it wants to be in... Um, I was talking to Pete Willis last night from Hawthorne Brewing and, and you know, he, he, he told a group uh, of, of, of bankers. He said, you know, the the craft beer drinker... Sorry, that was with a B? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. So, sorry. Uh, I, I thought we were talking I, about finan, the same. Financiers. <laughs> okay. No, 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 lovely, lovely bunch of blacks. A bit of a shout-out to the, the guys at Citibank who came along and had a, a cracking good time with us. Um, but he was saying, you know, the... the the craft beer drinker is often described as as promiscuous you know they're not rusted on loyal to to one particular brand and and that sort of thing so you've got to be prepared that you know your um uh, clientele will move from from place to place and, and that sort of thing and you want to be very sure if you're going to put three ipas on that those are moving through very quickly otherwise you're going to have you know some stale ipa and
0: ipa is a beer that shows its age very very quickly because of that hop forward character. But, you know, and it highlights a a wider trend for me um, that, you know, whilst craft beer has been around, well, this thing that we call craft beer has been around for a while, you know, depending on where you pin the dates, um, you know, it it, it has been a very popular thing for five or six years, you know, like it's really sort of blown out of the margins over that period. Um, But I've noticed that, You know, people who maybe came along to my introduction to beer classes five or six years ago um, and discover a real passion and excitement and enthusiasm craft beer um you know they they go from there and they go very quickly up to the big ipas and they chase the hoppiest things from the states and they look for the latest seasonal releases and then sour beers become a passion and all of these different styles become a real fad and they go out of their way they'll cross suburbs to go to the bottle shop that's got the latest and they'll go from bar to bar to bar chasing whatever's new on tap yeah don't
1: yeah don't don't be a fomo mofo
0: Oh, well, no, no, and again, that's not criticised because we, we all go through that phase. Whenever we discover something new, we get right into it. But then our excitement moderates and maybe other, you know, maybe other enthusiasms trade that and it takes a lot of time and a lot of money to chase these, you know, 18, 20, $25 bottles of beer three or four times a week. Um, and very quickly, and I've noticed that guys who, you know, three or four years ago were right, you know, in that journey of discovery and they spent 18 months um, doing that. When you bump into them now, and uh, shout out to you know who you are, listener, one of our regular listeners. Uh, I bumped into a pub uh, this week and had exactly this uh, conversation. You know, he'd uh, gone off and bought himself a couple of cartons of the Mountain Goat Pale Ale. Um, and, you know, he's somebody that is right into the, you know, knowing the, the latest beers, the latest breweries. But when he saw the uh, Mountain Goat Pale Ale, he thought, oh, I'll give that a try and loved it. And uh, you do start to see people coming back from that high level of excitement back to more moderate styles as their go-to beers. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, if you've discovered beer, if you're listening to this and you're really in that high arc of excitement, um, you know, touch base with us again in 18 months and tell us what you're drinking, um, you know, what most of your beer dollar is uh, going to. And uh, we'll see what prove that point. We should be up to about episode one hundred and ninety. Uh, or nearly two hundred episodes by the improv. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, anything else uh, for you this week, Prof?
1: No. Oh well, I did. I, I did. will give a shout out because I did a I donated my time for a charity, which is uh, the PNET um, Children's Brain Cancer Foundation, um, which is uh, raising much needed funds for research into PNET brain cancer, and uh, we did a beautiful little um, uh, beer and cheese tasting. For about 50 or so, um, all very much non-craft beer drinkers, all sort of a, I guess of a, an older uh, demographic, and uh, it, it was interesting just based on what we've just talked about, how um, you know for some of those, uh, the Hawkers Pilsner, for example, uh, went down an absolute treat, but for some, oh wow, that's it's so bitter. Oh, it's got so much flavour. Um, so you know, you, you think you know when you when you've come from a a, a different uh, starting point, yeah, some beers can... The really popular ones, I guess, were the Power Stance Pilsner from uh, Temple and the Hawkers Pilsner, uh, the Mornington Lager and the Hawthorne Golden Ale all went down an, an absolute treat.
0: Oh, nice, yeah, and, so, and yeah. that's the thing, you know, because uh, I always laugh a little bit, you know, um, when you see the ads for the for the mainstream beers, the, the, the big brand beers, when they talk about it being full-flavoured. Um, and you sort of think, well, as compared to what? Because they're beers that, you know... When you compare it to even a Pilsner, which in some circles is regarded as a beginner's beer, um, for a lot of people, that's a big step up.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's all relative. Yeah. Enjoy um, the journey.
0: Enjoy the journey, exactly. In, but realize that it is a journey and, uh, you know,
1: you At the end of the day, it's for, it's for drinking, not for thinking. Just in, just enjoy it and enjoy the company you're with. Take your beer seriously. Take it, take Don't take yourself. Exactly. And all of the
0: other platitudes we love to uh, to murmur. That's it. Uh, mate, anything else before we get into
1: the interview? Can't think. No, I think we we'll get straight into it. Not too much because it, it is a very important one. We, we should have. I wonder if Lockie's got some like some numbers music that he can play play us in and out. Maybe uh, just give our listeners a bit of a teaser. We'll, we'll see what uh, what he does.
0: Yeah, so this week um, this week we're seeing the launch of the Craft Beer Industry Association uh, Brewers Survey. Um, and the, we, we, we've talked about the results of that in the past and the low response rate. So we thought we'd get uh, the chair of the Craft Beer Industry Association, Peter Fielding, to talk a little bit about it and why it's so important for craft brewers to get in and uh, provide their feedback. So without any further ado, I did start with our standing question and that is ask uh, Peter Fielding, who is she?
2: I am the uh, co-founder and director of Gurley Brewing, and uh, we've been around now for about 10 years. Um, I also currently am the chair of the Australian Craft Beer Industry Association and uh, sit on a few other other boards around the traps, but it's... It's the brewing business
0: that keeps me busy. It's a brewing business in, uh, in many <laughs> different ways. Well, we'd actually love to. We've been meaning to have a chat to you about the expansion that's been going on uh, at, at Burley. And also, uh, you're celebrating 10 years uh, as a uh, brewery um, down on the Gold Coast. Um, and that's something that we would love to talk about. But today, we're talking about all things Craft Beer Industry Association and especially the uh, survey that has... Uh, hit the streets at the time that this uh, interview goes. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what the survey is and what you hope to achieve with it.
2: Yeah, look, the the survey is an annual uh, project for the CBIA. It's been done for a few years uh, in a row now. And it's really designed as a tool to address the issue, which is a significant issue in the CBIA being able to um, achieve some of the things that, well, certainly the things that members want us to achieve and the things we're working on. Uh, and that, that issue being the the lack of reliable, uh, accurate industry data about the independent craft brewing segment uh, of the industry. A lot of the, you know, a lot of statistics uh, and, and data available uh, from the ibis worlds and various various places but obviously a lot of that is based on retail scan data and that that really misses a lot of the the real core of craft brewing it doesn't capture the the um uh, the kegs that get delivered you know off, often in the back of the brewmaster's truck on the weekend <laughs> to the corner pubs and so on and it just um you know it really means that there's big gaps in the data Partly that and, and partly the fact that it's, it's in, well, I was going to say difficult, but really it's impossible to extract from the data that's available publicly now, the true um, independent craft brewer portion of the data and, and, and extrapolating from what's available is really, you know, we can, we can do our best and we've, we've done our best over the years with piecing bits and pieces of information together and making some assumptions based on what we as brewers know uh, to, to try and paint a more accurate picture, but it's it's really not at the level of reliability that we've come to realise we need to really be effective in advocacy work and so on on behalf of the the craft brewing industry. And that scam so the, data,
0: that that data that you mentioned, um, tends to track the bigger chain bottle shops, doesn't it? It doesn't. Where we we've got an increasing number of small independent bottle shops that are selling. plus it doesn't take all of the kegs that are going out as you said um, from small brewers and we're seeing an increasing number of tap points being taken over by guys who just wouldn't even register in that um, uh, scan data at all.
2: That's exactly right and already the scan data is only a a snapshot that then gets extrapolated so then for us to try and pull information out of it we're kind of it's extrapolation on extrapolation and it just, it just gets less and less reliable uh as you go but yeah so it's, it's really a limited snapshot uh and and at the volumes that the multinationals do and so on it's probably very useful because the margin of error while it's there um they're so big that it, it's you know still <laughs> useful information for them but uh small margin of error for for us little guys kind of makes all the difference into in whether the data makes sense or not
0: well oh, it, did, it can almost determine whether we exist or not as an industry, exactly. at, at least at the moment. Exactly.
2: So, <laughs> we so, are the margin of error. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, so looking
0: at the importance of the the um, data itself and how inaccurate it is, what is that data used for? What can the CBIA, um, once they've got good data, what is the use that you'll put it to? Yeah, so really the
2: the data is just the beginning of it. Um, that the, then the um, the data can be used then to really create a snapshot of what the industry looks like. And I don't just mean, I mean, knowing what percentage of the industry we are and how many leaders, craft brewers as a whole brew and that type of stuff, that's all really good information and it can be useful. But what we actually want to really try and paint a picture um, for policy makers and for the various other the projects um, that, that we want to progress is is a real um snapshot of of really what the industry is doing. So for example, if we can from the data pull information to be able to make statements like for every 10,000 liters of beer brewed by a craft brewer, x number of people are employed as compared with a multinational um you know, every it takes it takes 100,000 litres to employ that person, or, or whatever it is. And yeah, you know, because I'm making those numbers up because we don't have data. But but once we've got the data, we can we can then create that that story in kind of understandable and meaningful ways um, to be able to then advocate on behalf of the industry in a much better way. Now, with I say government, we, so, we,
0: we, With government policy so driven by economic drivers in, in the uh, industry, we, we've seen, for example, the wine industry very successful, successfully lobby for a whole range of excise changes based on them being primary producers and big employers, particularly in regional areas. I, I take it that that's very important for the uh, craft beer industry to be able to show its economic value um, and, and it, it's actually a benefit to society as opposed to a burden?
2: Absolutely. And and uh, not only do we want to paint the picture of where we are now, but then armed with that information and, and being reliable information, um, we can then, with the assistance of, of economic experts, turn that into a story about what potential the industry has and where it could get to and in what period of time. And, and that obviously then is the type of story that the policymakers can then look at and make decisions based upon uh, because they want to see um, – you know, a benefit, a broader benefit than just helping out an individual business to to um, any rebates or, or relaxations, or, or even just um, it could be helping with with training or access to um, R and D capital or investment capital or whatever it might be. So, so this you know the the job story is obviously a massive one. Uh, and and you know we know as a, as an industry we're, we're never going to employ more people based on numbers than than big brewers or many other industries. But in terms of the number we brew, the number we employ per little bit of business growth, uh, it's quite a compelling story we believe. And we just need the reliable data to be able to um, to paint that accurately. You know, I was saying before we'll take the data and and create those stories. It's not actually we as in CBIA. It's it's um, so the survey results go directly to survey matters who is the uh, the survey company conducting the survey they cleanse the data of any identifying information uh, it only gets provided back to cbia and to anyone else it doesn't go anywhere beyond survey matters in its raw form um, in a in a um, aggregate um, way and then we have um an economic analysis and advisory uh, firm, uh, sitting in the wings, we've been doing the prelim work with them to, to in, including um, framing the survey in a way to make sure that we'll be capturing data that they can then use. But they will then uh, help draw out what that actually means in terms of those statements about yeah, economic benefit and so on that the industry provides. And not only paint a picture of where we are now, but develop that story of, you know, if if such and such were to be done to for, for the industry this is the likely impact. So in the survey, there will also be questions. There are questions about um, what craft brewers may be seeing as their biggest impediments to growth. And there's an opportunity there to tell a bit of a story as to, you know, is, is excise time, the payment of excise, the timing of excise payments impacting your ability to uh, invest in further equipment or employ more people? Or um, is, you know, what, what is it that's that's holding you back? because that will also be part of the story so that we're, when we're suggesting where assistance or or um, benefits should go, we know that it's, we're telling a story that is accurate and that uh, if that benefit is, is provided, then we can be confident that we're likely to see the results that we're saying will be seen. And so without getting actual feedback uh, from the industry, as I say, we're, we're guessing a little bit based on our own experience and the little bits of other information that we can extrapolate. So it's super important that we um, capture this data because it really is the first step in being able to progress any of those uh, other projects.
0: It's important to stress that anonymity of the data as well, isn't it? Because the turnout in, uh, the, or the, the return of previous surveys has been fairly low and you've had various um, anecdotal stories for why uh breweries may not be willing to respond and none of the data will be identified individually to the CBAA or to the public um, based on on their their response?
2: Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. Um, And, you know, some of the questions may seem a little bit, um, you know, oh, wow, that's that's a very um, specific question or financial question that I'm having to provide information on. Um, But absolutely, that goes to Survey Matters. They're bound by all kinds of... um, privacy and confidentiality requirements, um, given their membership of their industry. um, And all of that is is cleansed uh, before it's provided back to us. But of course, unless those questions are asked and that information is garnered, there isn't the data to then provide to the the economic analysis people to be able to turn it into useful information. So uh, it's certainly not You know, asking questions about how much you spent on something, just for the case, just for the sake of understanding how much you spent on something. It's about that data then being turned into information about where the industry is investing. How much much has the industry invested in infrastructure, or um, you know, locally manufactured equipment, or imported equipment, or whatever it might be? Um, Those that, that kind of those questions need to be asked as as the first step in converting that into the economic story about the industry.
0: And this hasn't just been a bunch of people sitting around at tables you know, sort of saying, well, what questions should we ask? You've worked with <laughs> uh, professionals to come up with uh, the information, to questions that will get the information that you need to do the lobbying and the advocacy that uh, the, the, the CBA has taken as its mission?
2: That's correct. Both the survey company and also the economic um, advisory company have helped frame... Things um, and, and look, the survey has evolved over the years, um, and and ideally, with a view to it each year being improved. A with the, the data that's being gathered, but also uh, recognizing that you know some questions just feel a bit too intrusive, even though it's not going to be released anywhere. So uh, yeah, both the survey company and the econ- economic advisory firm have helped frame. Um the questions to ensure that the information that, that we gather uh, or that is gathered is is useful for then um, painting the picture and, and developing the the outlook of where things can go. But yeah, absolutely. It's not just been um the board sitting around the table saying, Oh, we should ask this and we should ask that. There's there's certainly science behind uh, the questions and the reason for asking those particular questions. So I certainly encourage people to also take advantage of the couple of spots in the survey when you can, where you can provide further comment, uh, because, you know, in any kind of multiple choice or, or you know, tick a box type of a survey, um, inherently, I know from filling them in myself, sometimes you tick a box thinking, well, I'm ticking the most applicable box, but it doesn't really explain what I'm thinking so where there, where there is an opportunity to add a little bit of comment we'd really appreciate that as well
0: and you won't be using this survey data you know if if, uh, if Brewery X says that they are of this size you're not going to be using that data to put up their uh annual fees <laughs> I, I only no, ask that because no, it's something <laughs> that I have heard anecdotally that people say so I'm not telling them how big I am they might put up my fees
2: Absolutely, we won't even see that data. So, rest assured. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't. No, absolutely. That's that's um, that's, that's not a not a part of it, and, and we won't see any individual um, breweries uh, data in any way, uh, anyway. So, no, absolutely not. It's not going to be used for any purpose other than uh, it being provided to um, develop this economic. Uh, Story around the industry. and look, of course the the other benefit that that brings when we when the data can be collated um, and turned into useful snapshot information about what our industry looks like and about where it can get to, that information will also be available to at a certain level to everyone, but slightly more detailed level to everyone who completes the survey. And that really is the beginnings of us being able to have benchmarking information for our own businesses. Uh, And so, you know, even if you kind of think, oh, whatever about the advocacy, whatever, whatever, I'm just going to get on and do my own thing. Well, this is a tool also to see what, as an industry, what certain averages are in terms of costs or employee numbers or whatever it might be. And you can look at it and go, wow, you know, I really run an efficient machine or, oh, wow, I'm kind of, you know, I should look at that part of my business because it doesn't actually reflect what everyone else is doing, or what the average is. So, um, it, it, you know, benchmarking is also going to be another valuable um, use for the um, the information that comes from the data. And again, it's not not the data that's released; it's the it's kind of the the um, the, the picture and the snapshot and, and average information from that. And we, you know, as an industry, we haven't had access really to to benchmarking information. We can look overseas, Um, we can look at, you know, publicly available information about the the beer industry as a whole, but it's not really directly applicable.
0: So, and that'll mean that, you know, when brewers say craft beer is 5% of the industry will actually know that it's 5% or it may be more or it may be less but uh, uh, we, we won't have to rely on um, the, the figures that. and most of the figures that we have been using do tend to come from America where the United States Brewers Association through their many years of doing this survey have now got very strong figures that they publish and they are very very effective advocates um, to the point that they now have a chief economist working for the Brewers Association do you think that we'll ever get to the stage that uh, you'll have working for you a, a chief economist
2: <laughs> wow well you know who knows maybe one day it would be, it would be fantastic and it would probably won't be one of the most valuable um, appointments that we could make to be honest because so much you know any, any of of these uh, projects about developing the industry uh, more broadly uh, just rely so much on that that economic argument being strong and solid and and in a language that speaks to what uh, policymakers and so on want to hear. So yes, it'd be a great point to get to. I do understand from speaking to, to people in the States that uh, it wasn't always easy to get the information over there either, but certainly uh, once they gained some momentum in, in um, people providing information and then seeing what could be done as a result of the association having access to that information, uh, it's just become standard practice now, and uh, and you know we can from here. Obviously, we can see just how powerful that can be with some of the things they've managed to do.
0: All, all I think that we can do is uh, as Radio Brewers News, lend our own weight um, to it and encourage everybody to get behind it and do the survey. In, in other news, it's been a big year for the CBAA. Uh, another very successful craft beer awards, um, and I know from speaking to at least two of the breweries that that won. That winning the uh, prestigious um, small and medium-sized brewery has been a huge benefit to them. But we also had the craft brewers conference. So uh, you you must be looking back and seeing that the uh, you know the CBIA is really starting to um, you know show the form and the function and achieve the results that uh, the industry was hoping for.
2: Yeah, look, I I think so, and I hope people are seeing that this year the the move to put the conference and the awards all into. To one week uh, in a different location was a, a big decision. Uh, a lot of considerations went into it. Not all of it was within our control. We were, in some ways, we were kind of forced to to consider the the issue. But uh, you know, yeah, definitely. Looking back on it, um, the week in Brisbane was a was a great success. The feedback from both attendees and from sponsors. And I contact every single one of the trade participants directly after the conference to get feedback from them to understand. Uh, what they what they thought, and uh, to get any learnings and and um, suggestions for the future. And uh, you know we're just blessed with with suppliers and and industry participants who are just so supportive. they they want to really do their bit genuinely to uh, to support the industry. and and the feedback was really fantastic. Everybody's very much looking forward to Adelaide next year uh, to do it all again. and. Uh, so that'll be another, another adventure. Um, and look, I, I think now that the, the momentum um, and the structure around those bigger events, the the conference and the awards and so on is, is there with, you know, we've got the, the first few difficult years uh, out of the way. Uh, it's always a challenge to put on a big event like that, but, but uh, you know, we're, we're getting a bit of a, a, in a sense, a routine about it. And it's it's, Opening up airtime and brain time to be able to um, put very limited resources into a number of other projects throughout the year. You know, we've got one one full time and one four fifth fifth time person in the <laughs> office uh, at CBIA, so it's you know it's a massive team <laughs> to get things done. So it's really quite incredible what they do manage to deliver. And a board uh, of obviously people who run. The run board of others. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Everyone has a day job, uh, but you know it is. It's amazing what you can get done when when everyone's uh, keen to to work together. But so this year we also uh, started what's been on the, the books, the, the plans for a little while to do uh, what we're calling roadshows kind of throughout the country throughout the year and taking technical seminars to different cities, uh, providing an opportunity for not only learning, but also uh, the, you know networking. I don't know if we network in the industry, but hang out and have beers um, together and a bit of camaraderie. Uh, and so there was one in Perth and one in Tasmania this year, and we've got a number of those slated to go around the country um, in the coming 12 months. Um, And, you know, really these other big projects uh, that are pending or or the the groundwork has been done and the missing piece of the puzzle is getting this um, data and and economic analysis done. We have been working with a a lobbyist um, for quite some time now preparing for that uh so as much as we we certainly get in front of members of parliament and media and uh anyone who who can potentially impact our cause um whenever we can but at the same time alongside of that we've been working quite strategically on planning how we go about a more um i suppose a typical uh program of of advocacy and, and it, what we've learnt really in working with the lobbyist is, yep, jumping up and down and, and making as much noise as we can in front of members of parliament and so on. When we can certainly keeps things front of mind, but in terms of actually affecting change, uh, we also need to be having this much more strategic and planned approach to... Uh, formal meetings and formal presentations and so on and, and you know again no, no surprise it gets back to that data that's that's really what we have to have uh at the at the beginning of all of that thankfully the uh, the lobbyist we've been working with so far has been quite happy to be paid in beer so <laughs> that's been, um, been a great relationship uh that may change when we get into the, <laughs> the more difficult stuff but uh you know as i say it's amazing people uh, people's willingness to support our industry we're very lucky
0: Terrific. Well, Peter, I know you've got a very busy day ahead, including heading to Melbourne for the uh, CBAA board meeting. So uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Um, as I said, we will get you on very soon to talk about 10 years of Burley and not just your own success. It might in be expansion. a long chat. Uh, well, there's 10 years to go through, and uh, something that uh, we've really been looking at is how much the industry's changed over that period. And uh, it'd be great to get yeah. your perspective as a, you know, a, a brewery owner who uh, has. Created a market in your uh, little patch of the world, but also uh, seeing great expansion nationally.
2: Yeah, it's been exciting times. Kind of crazy to to think that it's been ten years, but anyway, we still feel brand new in many ways. <laughs> <It's exciting. laughs>
0: well, you are. Everything is <laughs> still showing you new down at Burley. So, uh, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll organise to do that very very soon.
2: <laughs> That'd be great. And thanks so much for your support of uh, of the CBIA and for for this survey. It really really is uh, vital to big progress in the next twelve months.
0: Oh, we're just happy to help. So, uh, yeah, no, we'd uh, certainly encourage everybody who's listening and uh, to tell your friends about filling out the survey, so we can make sure that when we give figures, we know exactly what they are. That's it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Peter. Have a great day.
2: You too. Bye. In the garden,
1: what a garden!
0: Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. Go Prof, uh, Peter Fielding. Um, very comprehensive answers from Peter. Um, I, yeah, I
1: can't stress enough to all the brewers who are listening out there, um, get, get, the, get the numbers in. We um, can't stress how how important this is. And and Peter mentioned, you know, talking to Steve Heide um, at last year's Craft Brewers Conference. Um, he sort of said, yeah, look, don't, you know, we kind of started out the same. But it wasn't until they got to a certain point where numbers started coming in that they realised the the value that that has when you're you know when you're talking to government, when you're talking to you know potential investors, when you're talking to raw material suppliers, every step along the way. Um, tell me about your industry. Well, can't really. You know, I can tell you about my particular brewery, but I can't tell you you know whether we're you know up, down, or sideways, and and what what it's going to look like in the next five years. So um, get the numbers in. And irrespective of who they are, brewers love every brewer cites
0: oh, um, craft beer is X percent of the beer market, and we just don't know that. And you know, if you've ever said um, proudly that your product forms this percentage of the market, or that it's growing at this percent, or whatever, you don't have any basis at the moment for, for really saying that. And uh, you know, you really need to fill out the survey. Anyway, look, I reckon that's uh, yeah, preachy enough, prof.
1: Yeah, numbers, 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 numbers. Yep. So uh, anyway,
0: cards and letters. Uh, anything uh, coming to you this week, Prof? Nope. Nope. Me neither. Our listeners have gone silent. So, come on, guys. Give us, give us something. You know, just complain. Postcard.
1: Or... We know you're Got out them. there. We can see. Back up the, a coaster.
0: <laughs> we we can see the increasing. Uh, we can traffic. hear you breathing.
1: <laughs> we can hear you breathing, and we can see the downloads um so yeah um maybe we're answering all their questions maybe we're just becoming so comprehensive in our regularity that um there's, there's nothing left to uh, to question to query or to put to us answering their questions with 100 words where 20 might suffice um
0: yeah and uh, no, nothing on uh, itunes either so if you want to uh, let us know how we're going if you'd like to let other people know how we're going if you'd like to uh, you know uh, let other people find us make sure you give us a review on itunes um whether it's just stars or and we've got a five five star rating um if you disagree with that jump on um otherwise just let us know uh and let people know what the show's about and uh, what you enjoy or dis uh disenjoy dislike about it um Let's see, Uh, Prof, there wasn't, look, I'll throw this in as um, mailbag uh, because it did, it was uh, media releases that came in. I could have talked about it at the top of the show, but it didn't really seem um, apropos to what we were talking about. So I'll just open it. But have you ever seen, have you seen uh, all of the startups, the um, Possible's, the crowdfunding campaigns coming through your inbox?
1: Oh, you don't? Don't you, you get don't, those? I, no, you don't. Every, okay. Everything brews news goes to you, including all the beer.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. We can see what we can do about that. Um, but listen, listeners, if you know, it, brewing you, listeners, you
1: so keep saying that. If you want, to, if you want to send Pete and beer, what's a possible? Just get on with the possible thing. What? what what's the one? What have we got today? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fizzing at the bung to hear about fizzing it. Fizzing at the bung.
0: Okay. A um, couple of uh, media releases came in over the last week or two looking at um, possible campaigns or crowdfunding campaigns. And I've just momentarily lost it. I had it here for a second. Do you have like a million windows open on your computer, Prof, or is it just me? Um,
1: you're just breaking up there, Matt. <laughs> okay. Um, is it the Sonic, sonic Foamer you're looking for? That is it is the Sonic is the Foamer. I've
0: got it here. Um, the Sonic Foamer. Now, I had this in the show notes to talk about, and uh, just as we've been talking about it off air, I've seen that it's been suspended. So funding has been suspended. Just
1: just six hours ago. Just
0: six hours ago. So uh, they knew that I was coming for them. But our prof, this thing, you, you might recall that a few years ago, Guinness did this. It was a little Duvalacky that sat on the bar, and I believe it was because to pour a Guinness took so long that, you know, in a fast service pub they would pour it and then you would just sort of put it on the um the sonic foamer that would put sonic uh waves up through the beer and essentially agitate the beer
1: and give it to, a to create a foam to create a foam so um, it's designed for people who who lack the ability to swirl a glass <laughs> basically and uh, or for pubs that have bar staff with an inability to pour a beer no more flat flavors
0: flavorless beer i, I will share this on um, the show notes. No more flat, flavorless beer. Our mission is simple. We want every beer lover to know the best way to experience their favorite beer. Um, Ultrasonic waves excite the gases in your beer, bringing out the aroma. Now, I'm not sure if they've never heard of the, uh, you know, nucleated head, the nucleated glass that is apparently designed to do the same thing. The headmaster. The headmaster, yeah.
1: Um, But beer is meant to be drunk uh, with a head. the the Duval glass. As well, yeah, Temple glass has a little um, laser etched D, a Gothic capital D in the bottom. Which yeah,
0: shows. yeah, a lot of and champagne glasses have it as well. And uh, beer is meant yeah. to be drunk with a head of foam on your beer. Germans have known this forever. Oh, it's bringing in all of the great things. I'm surprised they didn't mention the Rhine Heights Cabot. But yes, no. So it's one of those uh, things that we're increasingly seeing uh, coming through. Little, you know. So it's basically a little vibrating
1: plate that you stick your beer on top of.
0: I don't think it vibrates. I think uh, it sends sonic waves through to agitate the particles um, to bring out the carbon dioxide to create a head on the beer. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Um, And the other one that that I wanted to talk about is it's called physics. It's along the same lines, except this is same. the, The call to action is very much the same. Uh, our pursuit for great tasting beer it's always about the taste ironically began over a draft beer at our favourite brew pub while enjoying a fresh pour right from the brewer's tap I asked Dave a simple question that would unknowingly start us off on an incredible journey why does beer taste so good from the brewer's tap but doesn't taste nearly as good from a can, bottle or growler and so it began our first year of exploration and what they came up with Prof is it looks like a cross between a kettle and and a thermos flask and what you do is you open it up and there's a little receptacle and you put your can, your opened can or bottle of beer in and the little tube goes down into the um, can and then into the liquid and then as you pour it foams the beer and it says it's great for camping. It is uh, powered by four AA batteries, lightweight and durable, ideal for outdoor activities, camping, tailgating. It's Etc. Does not use CO2 or nitro cartridges, proprietary replacement parts, or ongoing fills to operate. Essentially, it pumps your beer out and fizzes it as it goes through. Um, It's scientific engineered using patent pending liquid and sound technology to enhance the flavor and taste of beer. So, essentially, it gases the beer as it goes. And, Prof, mate, I've always thought that a beer bottle. is a pretty good receptacle. And if you pour it well, you're going to get a pretty decent head on. And this seems to be a lot of fuss and a lot of expense just to get beer from, your gla- from the bottle into your glass.
1: Now, Matt, I'm, I may be as thick as a whale omelet, but again, is this something for people incapable of tilting a bottle at the right angle to release the liquid out into a glass? Oh look, you know, yeah, pretty much. And on one hand, I being, am I, or am I being too cynical? Well, I, I think I, these... I can't see a price. I can't see a price. So to be fair, uh, it, may be, you know, it, it may be, it may be, it may be tree fitting
0: I'm...
1: I'm guessing not because down the bottom they've got our team. They've got a they've team of eight chief people. Execu- a chief executive officer, a chief technology officer, a chief financial officer, a chief commerce officer, <laughs> a senior director of digital media, a community manager. A media relations person and a business partnerships person. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it's not going to be tree
0: Yeah. Well, it's available. Mind you, this is in America,
1: um, so it's still available
0: there. So I don't know. Let me see. Hero Shop. How much is it worth? What are they setting you back? Physics. Holy moly. Uh, when you go through there, you get... Oh, okay. So you've, you've... <laughs> it's in there with the SodaStream Jet Starter Kit. Uh, the sous vide, a Bluetooth sous vide
1: machine. Um, it, it looks like somebody's trying to uh, repurpose some technology that didn't sell on the last idea they had. It, it does look a Maybe little bit like that. Maybe we can like use that. it to pump beer out of a bottle. Yeah, yeah. but you know, look, Anyway, look, if you find one under your Christmas tree... $169, $169 prof.
0: And it's 169
1: US dollars. Right.
0: And for okay. for that, you buy the ability to pour a beer from a bottle, or
1: beer from a glass, or a, uh, from a bottle or a can.
0: Um, and it is you know, and because it's great for outdoor activities, because it's battery operated, you get to replace it with batteries or rechargeables. Um, but it also so it's, ass- a it's a gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> it does, but it also assumes if you're going camping, hence the need to do it, that you've got room in your backpack or your camping gear for this and then you also take a full suite of glassware as well as the cans yeah yeah <laughs> so anyway uh, but it, it it is what we see increasingly we had the um uh, listener review of the uh can cutting thing you know there's right there, there is so many add-on products designed to um target and, and i actually think these aren't targeted at the beer drinker themselves i think this is Targeted at the gormless
1: wife, what child, or partner of the beer well, yeah. drinker. You know, he, husband, wife. He, you know. he, he, she, they like beer, but I never know what to get them. This looks perfect.
0: This looks, they oh, would it's love they don't that. Have. Yeah, this is something they yes, don't have. Yes, because it's
1: something we don't need.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so good. It's Something that shouldn't exist. Um, Stop doing it. The old single use, yeah. Take your team of eight and go and use all that creative energy. For something useful, please. I'm
0: trying to think. Th- th- there is a, yeah, a, a movement in the uh, cooking world of cooking that anything that is single use um, just has no place in the kitchen. Um, and this this would be one of them. But anyway, I think we've given them enough time. Yeah, listeners, be on the lookout. Warn your family and friends that you do not want um, physics.
1: Physics. F I double Z I C S. Yes. So.
0: Uh, mate, I, I think that's about it. Um, listeners, if you do like, even though we have had our good friends at Cry Malt um, come on to uh, keep supporting the program, it doesn't mean that we can't use your support. Um, you, you can come on as a producer for $10 a month or a, a, an executive producer for $10 a month, a producer for $5 a month, or you can just make a one-off donation of buying Prof a six-pack. Um, go to the website and uh, click the link. Uh,
1: apart from that, Prof, anything else coming up for you this week? Uh, No, uh, tickets for, uh, it's not coming up this week, it's coming up on the 21st of January next year, but uh, tickets for the Ballarat Beer Festival are uh, on sale, so get amongst it, because there's lots of fun new stuff happening this year. And you'll be presenting there, I take it? Yes, doing uh, some education sessions again, which will be a lot of fun, and some Money Can't Buy VIP experiences as well, and the Brewer's Degustation Dinner, which I'll be co-hosting with the lovely Kirilly Waldhorn, the Beer Diva. In the form of a he said, she said uh, kind of uh, beer off. So we're each secretly selecting beers to match with the courses, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. There'll be forfeits for the loser. Can't say too much more. Uh, I'll get you you to flick me through the uh,
0: link for that, and uh, we'll put it in the show notes for anyone who's interested. But uh, apart from that, nice clean show. Uh, Thanks to Peter Fielding for joining us. Thank you, listeners. Please, I can't say keep those cards and letters coming, but keep those cards and letters, uh, just keep them. Coming.
1: (laughs) No, don't keep them. Keep them coming. At the moment, they're keeping them. (laughs) Yeah, send them in. And, uh, prop. I'll chat to you next week. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy the...